Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. This is episode 47. Last time on Carrots and Suffering, Silpha scouted out the first two-thirds of House Mason's crypt, discovering several incapacitated vampires stuck in traps. It looks like when they opened the door, it sprung this trap that Ah. was designed to stab a creature enough times that it would get its heart, specifically with wooden spikes. Silpha also encountered several murals of the Mason family and some propaganda telling a tale of a war and peace accord between the vampires and the fairies, the fairy forces, of course, including the lycanthropes. The sort of hero of this picture, which is this noble knight with fangs, and this fairy queen seem pretty evenly matched, and the wolf creature with a crown seems like a stooge. Jalen discovered that while her family was being assaulted by lycanthropic servants of the fairy queen, and was nearly wiped out, Sable was worshipping the same fairy queen, but the two seemed to have come to an understanding quickly. I'm stroking the ego of an ancient potential evil. I have no idea what will come of that. Sable brokered a deal with the fairy queen, who appears to have been desperate to protect her investment in the Circle of the Moon. I want Helena and her sister returned from wherever they are, and their fetches, should they exist, taken away. I want them returned free of all fey bargains, unless one of those bargains is needed to keep them alive. I want them delivered safe back from that fey realm directly here to me right now. In return for this, I will induct her into the circle right now. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your Dungeon Master. I'm Sandra, I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy, I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie, I play Silpha the Wizard. Alright, when last we left our heroes, you were inside the Mason Mausoleum. The top part, which is a sort of set of really big stairs with room on the end of each side of the stair for a statue of a former king of Fenrir. Two roses the size of people, had bloomed out of a crack in the top stair, and out of them had sort of hatched Champion Helena, which is a tiger-striped warrior druid from House Varathi that had been featured in the podcast a few times, and her sister, who no one has ever met before. She is wearing priestess robes and has a holy symbol dangling around her neck. Also, Messenger, the displacer beast awakened cat, is uh, sitting on the top step, looking very uncomfortable to be here. But probably also waiting to make sure that I keep my part of the bargain. He doesn't need to. The laws of the universe will enforce that. Yeah. But you do know when he came in, he got stabbed by needles quite a bit. So I didn't expect that he was going to be, like, rushing off. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be in a hurry to go back out the door. So I think when we left it off, they had both petitioned to be become part of the Circle of the Moon, correct? Correct. Champion Helena is sort of kneeling in a very formal, ceremonial way, which you imagine is how the matron would have done it. Cass is standing behind her, looking accepting, tad confused. I I will get Helena up off of her knee and say, uh, have a seat, please. I'm going to go over to Jalen and say, can I borrow those willow branches? Um, yes. I'll give them back. Okay. Can I ask what for? For the ceremony. Okay. So she uh, she opens the pouch and pulls out the coil of of uh, branches and hands cool. them over. 
And she, she is reluctant just because she realizes she has made her first deal mm-hmm. surrounding these branches, and so she's a little nervous about that. Mm-hmm. But The branches have this sort of puffy cotton seed that sort of rolls around the top of them. Are they, like most willow branches, fairly bendy? They're very bendy. Okay. So I'm going to untwine them, and I'll hand one to Helena, and I'll hand one to Cass, and I will say... Uh, usually the induction ceremony would take place in the shadow of the willow tree under the moonlight. Since we can't be there, we do have a bit of the willow with us. And then I will twist mine into like a little kind of circlet to put on my head and ask them to do the same. Cool. While we do our little twisting of that in, I'll find out Cass's name. <laughs> Cassandra. Uh, and And you're doing this freely. Uh, freely wasn't a choice. Okay. I am doing this as a condition of getting the fuck out of Faye. Okay. I'll say, I don't know what Helena told you about the Circle of the Moon before, but I disbanded it because I wanted everyone to have an opportunity to become a part of a circle that they wanted to be part of. As such, I'm going to start a new tradition tonight. If you have anything to add, Cassandra, Helena, at any point, by all means, you'll have the opportunity. The cost of joining the circle now, as designated by the Fairy Queen and uh, arrangements that we have made, is a bit of information on House Mason. Do both of you have a bit? If not, I can share something with you that you can then give. Helena says, I'm pretty sure I still have a map of their basement structure. She opens up a fold in her fancy armor and pulls out a rolled up map that is apparently the entire basement structure of House Mason. I'd say a por- about a quarter of that would probably be enough. Okay. She sort of flips through it and uh, unrolls this big document and then rips it in half, tears it into quarters, mm-hmm. and uh, hands her sister the other quarter, mm-hmm. and then puts half of the map back in her pocket. Perfect. There has to be something in here that can serve as a makeshift altar. There was a, uh, at the bottom of the steps, there was a spot where memorials are temporarily built. Okay. And there's an old temporary memorial there that used to be for the king's deceased infant. I'll go down there and graciously remove what's left of that memorial, clean the altar, and I don't know, just put down some cloth that I happen to have with me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll bring Helena and Cass with me. I'll ask everybody else to give us, give us a little mo- a little time. And then... Messenger will not go down the steps. Yeah, I figured like that. not even one step. Actually, Jalen will approach Messenger, but we can do that in a minute. Okay. Let's do the downstairs first, then. It doesn't take long to get it set up. So downstairs, I'll ask that we join hands, and I will shift to Druidic. And in Druidic, however Druidic would get this across, I would say that we are the circle of the moon, and like the moon, we wax and wane, we brighten and soften with the movements of nature, and we devote ourselves to this natural cycle, taking our power from it and accepting our place in it. I'll ask Helena to put her offering and anything that she has that she wants to say onto the altar. Helena sets her quarter of the, the map of the basement of House Mason onto the altar. And she says, it's an honor to finally join a circle where we have some say. And then I will say Cassandra. Cassandra sets hers down on the altar and says, let's get this the fuck over with. (laughs) I say, and with those words and with your offerings, I induct you into the circle of the moon. And I assume that that's it because I don't know what's anything else that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. They both nod and from the altar, 
you know, there was around the base of this old memorial, there were all of these sort of leaves and detritus mm-hmm. of long ago dried out and destroyed flowers. One of them blooms to life, wraps up around the altar, and then forms a, a rose, kind of like the earlier ones. Only this one is much smaller, about the size of a big fist. And it pops open, and you hear two trumpets declare, <laughs> Announcing Whistles! <laughs> And Whistle says, shut up! <sighs> Hello, everyone. I'm here for the Mason intelligence. Would you please hand it over? Uh, it's right there in front of you on the on the altar, Whistles. And Whistles is, uh, just for the, the audience's benefit, uh, four, four or five inches tall, little glistening winged man in a tiny green outfit with, with just glitter falling off everywhere. The trumpeters remain invisible, but you can you can hear them. Sometimes glitter puffs up around them. I will roll up the two pieces of mason map and tie them together with, I don't know, I, surely I had a piece of ribbon. There's some string somewhere, whatever. And hand those two whistles. They're probably as tall as he is. Whistles sort of struggles with them, throws them over his shoulder like a big carpet. Mm-hmm. Let's out a big puff of air, uh, which is big for him, but very tiny for you. And says, okay. Oh, boy. All right. Uh... You know, can one of you make yourselves useful and, like, help me carry this? And you hear, nope, we're trumpeters. He's like, damn it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sable, uh, do you mind if I move back in? I, uh, I'm i not there at yeah, the okay, moment. Cool. But but I don't think anyone has the room. They did say that you they would what? keep it for me. Do you want to? I'll, I'll ask again later. I got to I gotta fly these. I got to fly these across the forest. Um, oh, gosh. All right, well, I'll see you later. And the trumpets go off. Whistles is leaving! And you hear the tiny pixie kind of cursing under his breath as he flies up the stairs. As he, like, Yeah. <laughs> Bobs drunkenly, and away he goes. And everybody upstairs just sort of watches this, like, What the fuck? Tiny <laughs> fairy, like, <laughs> When he gets to the cat, messenger says, Whistles. And Whistle says, uh, messenger? Hey, I don't suppose you want to carry these. No. <sighs> okay. And Whistles. <laughs> Jalen goes, Whistles. Yes? Do you know where the hound went for his third mark? Uh, I suspect I know where the hound went for his third mark. I normally negotiate for this sort of information, though. But he can't. <laughs> But I'm afraid I am not permitted to imply that you should do anything like an agreement. I have a suggestion for both of you. Well, suggestions are free. I'll take it. I will help cover your retreat out of here from the needle blights outside, both of you. Whistle's tiny face looks suddenly very surprised. And he says, needle blights? Uh Uh-huh. He looks down at Messenger, and Messenger says, Oh yes, they're quite dangerous. My, my sister can help, too. We can shoot from here. I mean, there's not a ton we can do, but we can certainly help you. If you, Whistles, tell me where the Hound went, and if you, Messenger, will take a message to him. Messenger says, Hmm, yes, I can agree to this. I don't want to be here any longer, and I could use a distraction while I leave. And Whistle says, yeah, okay. Um, I was not expecting... I don't even know what a needle blade is. <laughs> They're nasty. They're real nasty. Very well. Um, 
Yes, uh, the Hound's third mark is a changeling scribe, a sage, if you will, named Drossel. Drossel, of course, uh, was the king's visor. Still half fey, half changeling. He never did declare, but I do believe he is trapped in the keep with the king still. So I guess that means the hound is headed to the castle. Probably already there, honestly. Okay. Messenger, if you would, do your best to head him off and tell him... Let's see, something Kylan would know came from her. I would like you to tell him, Pussycat, we are no longer enemies. As soon as you are able, please meet me at the Lunari estate. I very much need to see you. Jalen W. Evans. And to be clear, Pussycat was me addressing him, not you addressing me. Me addressing him through you. Correct. Okay, excellent. Well, I won't have to be offended. <clears throat> now, if you would get your crossbows ready. Yep, and and she looks at Jessica and be like, give me a hand. You get to shoot shit. Jessica's like, sure. All right. And uh, she looks at Silpha and says, we could actually use your help too, if you're willing. I don't have much in the way of big magic, but I can certainly slow them. All right. Uh, so we're going to stay by the doors because we don't want to get hammered with more blight. She looks at Messenger and says, you're not where you appear to be. If you're willing to tell us where you will actually be, we'll shoot the ones that are actually near you. Ah, well, first rule of Displacer Beast Club. Do not tell anyone where we're going to be. We'll just all guess, huh? Okay, just understand the quality of the service might go down a little if we don't know where you actually are. In the future, if we ever find ourselves enemies, I'd prefer you not know how this works. You know, makes a lot of sense. And the cat crouches in a like a sprint-pounce maneuver that's almost adorable if you didn't have these whipping deadly tentacles covered in spikes coming off of his back. <laughs> the whistles turns invisible, and you can see, like, nervous glitter just spilling off of him. Aww. Wait, does it, like, come out of the invisible air? Yeah, I mean, it does. Is it like, yeah, <laughs> like, just... when, he, when he sweats glitter, it just appears. <laughs> Jalen says, I will have no trouble figuring out where you are. Okay. <laughs> and the cat says, well... Shall we, Whistles? And Whistles says, I'd really rather not. Um, and the cat says, one, two, <laughs> and darts out. <laughs> All right, and we throw open the doors and start shooting at anything that's attacking. All right. Uh, so the needle blights will not come into either crypt. You don't know why. You have not figured that out, but they won't do it. They appear to be unable to sense you as long as you're inside the door. So what I would like to do is just to figure out Honestly, Whistles is the only one in real danger. What I need you to do is... Don't kill Whistles! Well, we're going to roll to see. Uh, you can successfully distract these Needle Blights, or if I have to make attacks on Whistles. If I do, they will be at disadvantage and whatnot. He's, he might be okay, because he's invisible. Let's go with... You can either do an attack roll... Or I think intimidate would be the appropriate skill. Well, I mean, we are going to be shooting at the needle blades, right? Yes. And they're actually a little hard to spot mm -hmm. and whatnot, but you're essentially distracting them, getting their attention mm -hmm. and driving them back from the door, which is enough that they won't attack anybody. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. sense a source of blood, so they will just kind of flee. But we need to see how effective that is. Okay. So intimidate would be the appropriate, like, social skill. Attack rolls would be appropriate. All right, 27. 
super successful. You fire two crossbows into the crowd. You immediately hear a shuffle in the thorns as things back away from you. Let's do Silpha next. Silpha will use the Ray of Frost cantrip into the mess of brambles outside. Okay, go ahead and roll me your attack roll. It's an 11 to hit something. Okay, you fire ice into the area. Things are moving away from the crossbow bolt. You're not sure if you were effective. It's really hard to tell what's going on. It's thorns moving inside of thorns. And Jessica needs to give me an attack roll. She rolled a one. She can't see shit out there. (laughs) Okay, she fires blindly into the darkness. And Messenger goes, ow! (laughs) (laughs) She goes, I knew I could hit it. (laughs) (laughs) She would feel so, so pleased with herself. Silpha, there's a tickle in your mind as Muriel takes her own action, and she will fire a massive gout of flame just over the top of the thorn line, and you can, uh, unlike last time where they didn't seem to notice, this time they appear to scatter and cower, as she rolls much better than last time. And two failures is two attacks on whistles. First one, misses. Second one, misses. The cat probably does get needled again, but he seems fine with it. Probably not as badly. But a deal's a deal. Yeah. We have concluded the fairy deal. The fairies have left the building. (laughs) And I will take back the willow branches from Cass and Helena and press their hands carefully because, again, I am poison. Yeah. I am gloved. Cass sets up the memorial again. There was a candle on it. So she puts that back, cleans up some of the, the old detritus from around it. And yeah. Shrugs. <laughs> Sulfa is curious. I will roll religion to see if I can recognize the holy symbol around her neck. Sure. It's a 14. So the holy symbol has two components to it. One that you recognize and one that you suspect you recognize. The holy symbol appears to be uh, kind of like a coin, only there are two faces, a human face and a beast face, and they seem to have been twisted together. And of course, it's flat. It's on a coin shape, which you know is the symbol of the fairy queen. But across it is this lightning bolt that you know is not a symbol of the fairy queen that you have ever seen anywhere. With a 14, the clerics that you know might have a lightning bolt are clerics that worship weather and oceans it's sort of a like a hurricane gods and that sort of thing cool all right hey jalen will go to cast and say hi i'm jalen hi jalen nice to meet you are you with one of the houses evans okay okay cool uh this is my sister jessica and this is silva she's affiliated with house miev Cass extends her hand and you can actually see She's wearing um, finger-tipless gloves, and uh, as she extends her hands, you realize she, she has claws. Like, they're, they appear to be retractable and cat-like, but they are, they're visible. And uh, Jessica goes in for, like, a big handshake in her normal crushing dominance kind of way, and then actually thinks twice about it. Does kind of like a polite round-the-hand grab, and stares at her hand, the, you know, Cass's hand as she sort of backs up a little slowly. Mm-hmm. And I'll hand the branches back to Jalen. Yep, and she'll she'll put them away. If any seeds drop, she'd pick those up, because she wants all the seeds. Yeah, they stay mostly on there. Since they were used in a ritual, perhaps they'll even be more potent. Could be. Sulfa will curtsy to Cass and comment, 
Champion Helena, it's good to have you back. Mm. Cass, this is uh, Vanessa Lunari's daughter. And Cass says, oh, I love Vanessa Lunari. And uh, she kind of steps forward and goes to give you like a, a big hug. Silpha will, will accept the hug and comment, your symbol is interesting. I, I've never seen that combination of things before. Oh, yeah. That's um, an interesting story. So when I got abducted, sort of, well, anyway, I, I got lost in the thorns and I, I woke up in fairy. I was uh, told that I was owned by the fairy queen and that she needed priests and uh, priestesses. And I uh, didn't have a choice in being one, but I found a choice. Turns out there's one aspect of the fairy queen that she does not control very well. And that would be her temper. So you're a priestess of her temper? Of the weather. I am a priestess of the fairy queen's wrath. So what does that look like? We saw it. Like the storm. No, I know what the fairy queen's wrath looks like. What do you look like as a priestess of that righteous wrath? Well, I worship bouts of emotion. I can get a little emotional. And my clerical powers tend to be related to the weather. But I also heal. So that's helpful in a pinch. So thunder, lightning... Heavy on the thunder and lightning. Yes, very loud. Can you, like, she looks at Silpha and looks back at her and says, can you, like, bless water and shit? Yeah. I mean, I don't have much cause for that in the Feywild, and it requires silver, I believe. If you had some spare, I could bless water. And She looked at Silpha and said, didn't she say that would be helpful with the problem? I'm fairly certain I could make silver. Wow. Like, literally make it? Well... Sure, you see? And she, like, takes some sawdust out of a component's pouch and, like, scoops it into a pile on the altar and manipulates her hands around it and concentrates upon it and the the wood of the sawdust transmutes into silver. She touches it and she's like, well, that's fucking handy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm pretty sure Vanessa Lunari cannot do this. And Helena says, Sylpha's a wizard. And she says, oh. I didn't know the kingdom allowed wizards. Mm, that's also a long story, I say. Yeah. There's <laughs> very few of us, and... I mean, I'm not complaining, Silpha, and she takes the silver and kind of pulls a, a water skin out and just, like, slowly files the silver into the into the water skin, shakes it, and then grabs her holy symbol and starts to pray over the top of it. As she does that, I say, so champion Helena, tell me everything. I pull up a seat on the sarcophagus. I there's probably a lot to tell and a lot has been going on here. Yeah. Um where do you want me to start? That's a great question. We were briefly enemies of the Fairy Queen, which we aren't now, and we stopped an attack on House Mason, which you know about. Did actually yeah. successfully do that. Did you get Frost Giant Heart? Yep. We have a big old golem on the outside, so Good. Did you send us the right things? Yeah. I was I was there when you had that meeting in the uh in Miev's panic room, so Why not, right? I just asked for the appropriate components. Thanks. Jalen's opinion of Helena just went up. <laughs> anyway, um when the fairy queen found out that I had I don't know. Double crossed her? 
Yeah, double cross is probably the right mm-hmm. word. I keep trying to make it better, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. She declared my agreement with her in violation, and uh, I woke up in fairy. So, um, on the plus side, still a general. Actually, um, ex-general now. Um, I believe I spent, I don't know, eight, nine months uh, locked in a block of ice. That doesn't sound fun. No, it's very cold. Interestingly enough, I did not die. Well, here I think only a few days have passed since you left. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Did you find your sister while you were in Fay? She found me, oh, actually. good. I was locked in a block of ice, but <laughs> she she found me. And Cass says, yeah, I did. I started working on a plan to get her out, but, well, then we all were told we would be here and we would be inducted and we were out of deals and maybe 20 seconds start to finish and then we were then we were here so if your deals are done are you still a priestess well let's find out jalen stands back (laughs) she extends her hand and her retractable claws kind of come out and then her whole arm wreaths in lightning and a rolling thunder sound blasts through the crypt and she says yep That's wonderful. There's so much that you couldn't tell me, Helena, before that you were barred from telling me because of your agreements. Uh, is there anything that you think is important that you should share? Well, uh, the main one is I asked for them to give me my sister back. Uh, and I have since put together, I, I may have asked when they didn't have her yet. And so they gave me a fake version because I wasn't specific enough. And in exchange for that, I was the Fairy Queen's general on this side of the Fairy Gate. and. Uh, I was not allowed to talk about my role with anyone, um, and that was most of what I kept hush-hush, although I was also asked by the matron to keep quiet about all circle business unless specifically authorized, and uh, I did that as my duty as her head of security. I, 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 I don't know what your role will be at House Varathi now. Uh, uh, someone else rules it at this point. Her name is Yennefer. Oh. Do you know Yennefer? I've heard of Yennefer. What have you heard? Are, are there any pixies around? Sylpha's lantern is the only illumination that's present, I imagine. There are no pixies around. She looks about and says, If there were, they would be visible. Yennefer Ye- is best described as um, the fairy queen's squire. Uh, so she learned from the fairy queen. She was... Mentee. Mentee's the word I'll go with. Like she's gonna be a fairy queen herself at some point? Well, that's not an option. She's not a changeling to my knowledge. She cannot be a fairy or a fairy queen, but plays the political game with the most ruthlessness anyone's ever heard in Fae, Cass says. I believe they literally removed her heart and put it in a box. In Fae? Correct. She's barely human anymore and now she's here to act as the fairy queen's mortal agent no and this is Cass talking she says no no absolutely not she negotiated to go to fairy of her own volition to study under the fairy queen um well they are not equals they are not allies i don't know what to make of that information (laughs) but the fairy queen taught her nonetheless Oh yes, that was the agreement. Don't ask me what 
she paid for that. I have no idea. Frankly, it might have been her literal heart. She runs our house now, and um, oh. I, I don't know if you know this. Were you aware that when I ended the circle that a lot of people were released from Faye? Cass goes, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, no, that was big. That was huge. Okay. Um, And Helena says, block of ice for that one. Yeah, so they all showed up at the house, including Yennefer and a number of other druids, if they are to be believed that they are druids. And they said that they would join the Circle of the Land, hmm. which the leader is currently dead. Helena kind of nods and says, sounds like a power play. I bet Yennefer's behind it. I imagine she is trying to secure her own base of power separate from the Fairy Queen. Sounds like something she'd do. Mm. And Cass says, oh yeah. Yeah, that's right up her alley. So she would take over the Circle of the Land, then? If it has no ties to the Fairy Queen, it's a base of power, and she can claim it. So is this a potential rivalry to Sable and the Circle of the Moon? Mm. Still? Or do you think she wouldn't... The Fairy Queen is a very dangerous enemy, but she seems to be a mercurial but somewhat reliable competitor? Sulfa is, is growing more and more concerned looking. Jalen is too, but also confused because she doesn't really get it. <laughs> Sable's face is just drawn kind of tight, and she is like, is Jennifer going to send someone to try to kill me too? Helena says, I doubt it. She seemed Varathy through and through and through, and Cass says, no, you're far more useful alive. I mean, she's a real politician, not some bullshit wannabe. Well, that's different, at least. Do you think Yennefer is going to try to take control of Fenrir away from Lord Mentor? If she can, yeah. Would that be better? Cass looks at Helena and says, like, well, I don't, I don't know how you define better. How are you with all-powerful dictators? Without a heart. I mean, anybody can do math for food. You'll probably get to eat. Definitely don't expect her to do you any favors. At least not for free. All the more reason to continue with our plan to, in yeah. essence, open the borders. Yeah. Former Matron was one of the most powerful people in Fenrir. And my cousin, the Lady Miev, is a social pariah. She owed her nothing. And yet she chose to use the opportunity to remove her brother's curse in defiance of the Fairy Queen. The matron did not strike me as someone who would throw her life away like that, if it was not for some greater purpose. Ah. Uh, what was her plan? What did she have to gain? Well, there were a few things afoot there. I don't know that the matron was exactly herself in her final days. She believed 100% that her son Edgar died as a fairy assassination. and. She realized that she had been betrayed in a way that didn't break a deal and seemed to lose all respect for all of her deals at once. But she was a cold and calculating bitch. Uh, I mean, no offense, Sable. Sable just nods from her place. She went out getting the best deal she could and basically having Lady Miev, a young noble, tied to the prosperity of her house for however long Miev lives. 50, 60 years? Longer if she wants. She is a wizard. Yeah. She set up Lorelei for life. 
in, I mean, success, success, success. I think she anticipated Sable becoming Baroness, but she did everything she could to make sure the house remained as powerful as it ever was going to be. And mm-hmm. to be honest, she was at the end of her life already. I never did understand why the Fairy Queen would have killed Edgar, though. I don't either. But I do know a few things. We are no longer enemies of the Fairy Queen. The Circle of the Moon is three strong, which should be enough for a while. Although I think I owe a few in the next few months. And we should get some rest. Tomorrow morning we have how many vampires downstairs to dispose of? Three? Four? Both of their eyebrows go up. Sofa looks at Sable and then at Cass and Helena and says, Yes, well, in the midst of catching up on things, we didn't uh, praise you of the situation at hand. We are in the Fenrir family crypt, and we are adjacent to the Mason family crypt, in which there are several, shall we say... Vampires. Inert, incapacitated vampires. The Mason line used to be vampires. Cass looks very alarmed. Helena looks unsurprised. (laughs) (laughs) Silva gestures towards Cass's satchel of now holy water and says, so you can appreciate our need for that. Yeah, I regret to inform you I brought one water skin. I have another. She hands it to you. I have one. Well, we can get everybody some holy water tonight, can't we? Jalen says, I think we should keep these doors closed, but also set up a watch rotation through the night, because we don't know if our um, newest friend is going to venture out. Oh yeah, did you ever read Guire the Squire? Helena says, uh, yeah, he had a couple of little novels, really short sort of romance stories, and Cass is shaking her head like, what the hell? He didn't die, but he's not alive either. So he's a zombie? No, a vampire, but not a full vampire. He's a mini-pyre. So, you see, when the thorns arose, and history tells us that Sir Guire was killed by a sword of wounding. Well, I guess he was taken back to House Mason, grievously injured, and would have died from his injury, and instead they transformed him into a vampire. Not a powerful one, but a, a vampire nonetheless. A half a half pyre. Oh. But he is currently huh. desperately lonely. And quite literally disarmed. Cass and Helena both kind of cocked their heads. The Masons are, you know, famous for their traps and dungeons, as well as their codes and secrets. He lost his arms by failing to successfully open a trap and couldn't get down below to the blood of the Vampire Lord. And he's currently being entertained by two, I guess, Fae, over in the other crypt. So Helena says... So I guess we have to kill him? And then Cass says, why would you kill him? It wasn't his choice. And he's amusing. Well, but he has ambitions to become a full vampire and regrow his arms. And I don't think he's going to stay a benign little friendly, awkward chatterbox after that. Well, it wasn't his choice, and it is a difficult decision. But if we were to say, bring him back to town, there are certain members of House Mason who... Well, just one that I know of, really, who might enthusiastically embrace the return of the vampire line of their house. And Helena says, he sounds increasingly dangerous. We should definitely kill him. And Cass says, 
I don't think you should kill him until he actually does something murder-worthy. I have a th Helena. thought on this. Mm. How much does she want to say to Helena and Cass? She does not want to let on about the hound business, but she says, why don't we stake him through the heart? Silpha says that that'll put him to sleep, so why don't we just make him inert and leave him here? Then he doesn't go hungry, and we don't have to worry about him trying to follow us or getting back to town and being a danger. Everything I've read about vampires suggests that while they are driven by the same intelligence that they had in life, they no longer have a soul. They're very much like a fetch in that they are driven by their own instincts for survival. Elena says, yep, I'm still on the kill him, still on the kill him wagon. Well, we don't have to make that decision tonight. We could rest on it. Cass says, I would like to talk to him before we murder him. I just feel like the stake through the heart is like the ultimate compromise here. I mean, we're not killing him, but we're also neutralizing the threat. You get a nod from Helena and a kind of a, like, really wary looking face from Cass. Is it like putting him in a block of ice? I mean, Silpha said it just puts him to sleep. Cass says, well, you know what, folks? I haven't slept in 25 years, so I'm really looking forward to this. I bet I could sleep on rocks. You can use my bedroll if you like. I have a cloak. I would love that. Thank you. I pass over my bedroll. Welcome back to your first night in Fenrir. Jalen says I can take the first watch. I'll take the, the last one. Maybe, Helena, you can join me and we can catch up. Silva rummages through her pouch and says, I don't know how well the rest of you see in the dark, but whoever keeps watch can hold this and it will help. She pulls out her small moonstone-like glowing transmuter stone. This is the first time she's used it, right? This is the first time she's taken it out in front of her friends. It's like a, it's called a transmuter stone. It's something I made. It's like a small reservoir of magic that I can enchant to have a certain effect. And she hands it off to Sable. And when you put it in her hand, what happens? The stone is currently enchanted for the person who holds it to have dark vision. So your eyes immediately adjust. The room seems suddenly twice as bright. You can see into all the corners. Oh my god. Oh my god. Jalen. Jalen takes it and goes, holy shit, monkeys. So do I have to hold it or can I have it like in a pocket or like, I mean, is... you could put it in a pocket as long as it's on your person. She puts it in her pocket and it's just like, wow. What the fuck? Silpha, you have the best toys. Silpha's beaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's time for the mid-roll, and that means fairy facts. Today, the goblin. Goblins are the thieves and villains of fairy lore, and there are a lot of types of goblins. They tend to be united in their ugly nature, both visually and behaviorally. They also often turn into animals, as befits their uncivilized and bestial nature. There are a few types of goblins that are not woolly evil. The knockers are goblins who live in tin mines, and their knocking noises indicate rich veins of ore. They befriend the miners, though love a good practical joke. They hate swearing and whistling and will knock loose stones to pelt a miner in the face. It's best to leave them a Cornish pasty, the traditional food of miners, else the fairy will bring the bad luck throughout the mine. A few knockers guard ore deposits in abandoned mines and dissuade people from entering them by cutting the ropes and killing them dead. The moral, of course, is not to play in mines. So there you have it. Leave a pasty, 
don't go into an abandoned mine. Let's get back to the show. So, morning. Bum, 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 bum. Guire does not come by. Yay! We're gonna gear up and head down into this maze. So, Silpha will describe to everyone present what she had scouted ahead in, and seen in her gaseous form. I'm pretty sure that the first entry point where the first creature is, we need to use extreme caution. The wooden stakes looked precarious, and I was certain that if I was in my normal form and misstepped, perhaps I would dislodge some of them. The next area is impenetrable darkness, but I'm pretty certain I can dispel that. And finally, I think there is a, a stair trap that may hold another creature. It's, it's my belief what's causing the blights outside and has corrupted the fairy tree may be another one of these creatures impaled on the tree's roots. Alright, uh, so Jalen's going to draw a rapier and say, well, it's easy enough to cut off heads if they're inert. Alright, so you head back down to the door. Last time you seeped through it as a gas, so someone will have to shove it open. It's very heavy. Jalen will give it a go with Jessica. But say Helena and Jessica would probably be the best people. Yeah, oh right, yeah, let's do Helena and Jessica. That would actually probably be best. Jessica gets a 24. Okay. Dang! She doesn't need help this time. Jessica's ready to go. She got a good night's sleep. <laughs> she no longer feels horribly poisoned. And we're, and we're gonna go cut off some heads, and she's real excited. Oh. <laughs> Remember, the best way to kill them is to take off the head. A wooden stake to the heart incapacitates them. So, Selfa will basically enclose the entire entryway of the door with a magic circle, and she spends a minute chalking out a pattern on the floor, sprinkling a component along the lines that she's drawn while she chants, and then it illuminates in a kind of gold light. Okay. All right, Jalen will establish, she'll be like, all right, if anybody falls behind for any reason, come back to this spot. Precisely. This circle will last for an hour. Cass hands everybody one dose of holy water. Yay. So it'll do 2d6 damage. If it strikes a undead or a fiend. Neat. Okay, so. Sylpha going to take the lead since she knows where she's going? Uh, she will take the lead. Okay, so you're all here in your meat form, but luckily all of the traps are tripped at the moment. So the first struggle you run to, the mason undercrypt is also a U, just like the one in the Fenrir side, except that this one is very obviously fake. Maybe Jessica won't notice, but like everybody else, is pretty pretty clear. Like the bones are basically stylistically placed. This is not used. Do you, do you want to give her an intelligence roll see if she sees it? Sure. All right. <laughs> Twenty. Oh. Doesn't even get by Jessica. <laughs> so as you're walking through all quietly, everyone sort of unspokenly realizes this is not real, and Jessica goes, "What is this shit? This isn't real at all." <laughs> Jessica. Jessica. Shh. She's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Respect the fake dead. <laughs> There's a fountain that is pouring down water, blocking a kind of five by five entryway. You have to hunch to get through it, but on the other side is a full size hallway. And obviously, you know, vampires cannot cross winning water. This is probably a vampire stopping water line. 
It's a vampire trap. And you can just go right through it. There's no real trap there for a mortal. We just get wet? You just get wet. Okay. Shortly down the hallway, there's a mural to your right, which I described in a previous episode, so I won't describe it again, but it is a war, depicting a war between fairies and lycanthropes on one side and the vampires on the other. It is clearly Mason family propaganda in which the vampires are the good guys. Just past that is a doorway, and it looks like a unfortunate creature attempted to open it, and then a big three-dimensional grid of bamboo spears shot out of the wall, impaling them in all directions. And it is hanging there, mostly exsanguinated, but not fully rotted, like way not as rotted as you'd expect a body 80 years old to be. Could Jalen get to his neck with the rapier? It would require some finesse. I would make you roll. Sulfa will suggest there is a thing I could do to suspend it in place. All right, that would make it easy. So as long as we treat the vampire as more of an object at this point in time. It is an object. Would cast levitate to basically hold it. Okay. So that there is no mistake <laughs> in dislodging anything. That will negate the need for the sleight of hand check. Oh, but that's my expertise now. <laughs> well, no, there's no chance of failure. So. What do you want? No chance of failure or your fun technique? Oh, I love gambling. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, I feel like I should gamble more at this point. Okay, Do you no, feel lucky, no, punk? Let, let, let's make this easy, punk. <laughs> yeah, so y you can't use a rapier to cut its head off. Fairy Bane would do it. All right. I mean, it's her silver rapier. So the rapier is a, a piercing implement. So ah, you would, gotcha, gotcha. You'd okay. be sawing at him with a screwdriver. No. Rapiers have a sharp edges. They do, but they are... Fencing epes. Fencing epes are pointed. They do, the but ones. in the uh, player handbook, the version of the rapier is a piercing weapon. Put the rapier... Actually, I think she would have drawn Fairy Bane from the beginning, knowing she was going to cut off heads, if that's the case. I was thinking a rapier was a different kind of weapon. So we'll, we will assume you uh, warn everybody ahead of time how Fairy Bane works, and then you pull it out, and they... Well, the cleric and the druid probably are fine. Wisdom saves are the thing. Mm -hmm. And Jessica's used to it now. Yep. Does it crumble to dust? It it crumbles to dust. There is uncoagulated vampire blood on the floor. Jayla looks at Sylph and says, does the holy water take care of that? You imagine it would. All right, she'll pour, she'll pour her dose of holy water over that. It it bubbles away. The, the blood immediately coagulates and dries, and it is ruined. Great. One down. Jalen is going to look for an unrotted bamboo stake to keep. Yeah, one of the bamboo stakes that went up above this creature, like in case you were particularly tall, it was not. So there's there's two bamboo spears that didn't pierce the creature. Okay, she'll break off the ends of both of those and keep them. They're old. They might be a tad brittle. You think you got maybe one use in them, but they are not rotted, so they are viable weapons. Okay. Through the door, there is a set of stairs that go down just about like, you know, three feet, and then up three feet to a further hallway. You recognize this trap immediately mm -hmm. because you fell into it before, both of you. And Silpha had to shira a grate off you mm -hmm. to get you out of that trap. Which she did like a boss. <laughs> yes, I believe she rolled a 20 on that. I did. <laughs> adrenaline, adrenaline. <laughs> Don't underestimate the moth. She rolled the 20 to get that 19 and got that grate right <laughs> off you. <laughs> You know how this works. One of the steps trips a trapdoor, you fall into it, water lands on top of it. You can tell the water has long ago evaporated, and it did it the slow way, 
there's a water line like two feet up the wall on both sides and down the stairs so whatever is down there is probably still down there and was probably down there for weeks before there was any chance of anybody opening it and no one ever opened it so we need to see if there's anyone down there i think there could be another one trapped underneath here well we should get rid of it with this with the same with the same step open it up as from the mason house we we know how to open the trap correct you have opened one before actually the hard way so you know how it works mechanically and you will need to roll your thieves tools to get it open 25 <laughs> yeah you have no problem <laughs> so you you trip the grate and then you trip the step and you know that that order kind of resets the the trap mechanism and then you can kind of flip this thing down and then it, it's meant to flip itself back up but you can jam it she does have a crowbar on her so yeah exactly 10 feet down from you there's a completely exsanguinated corpse that clearly burnt through its entire blood supply continuing to be alive so it's inert can you levitate it up here again i can do that again so sylpha will do the same thing with the second okay it floats right up and you can just hack its head off. Just burning through these second level <laughs> spell slots. You head up the steps the other side. There's another mural. I described it in the previous episode, so I won't do it again. But this is some kind of big peace accord being signed into what you assume is a fairy pact. And immediately past that is a wall of darkness. So Silpha will now use Dispel Magic to try to eliminate the darkness. So you cast Dispel Magic. The darkness immediately fades, revealing a very plain hallway, as if it was never designed for anyone to ever see it. There are very visible panels, four of them, two on each side, two on the wall to the left, and two on the wall to the right. In the floor, there is a purple golden globe that is embedded down into the floor that you assume was what was emanating the darkness spell, and it is off. That's pretty cool. Neat. Like, it's embedded, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we can't just pick it up and take it with us. Not without a pickaxe or a shape stone spell. I do have stone shape. So do I, yeah. I could lift it out of the floor, but that does not occur to her. Maybe on the way out. I mean, stone shape is my fourth level spell slot of the day, so I'm not wasting it. Jalen is going to investigate the wall panels without touching them. You never did figure out how that trap worked or what happened, but you can tell with the darkness off that these are rotating wall panels. I did forget one detail. There is a water fountain trickling water down both sides, creating a running water seal on both of these. But you can tell with the darkness off that they are a, a fully rotating wall that pivots at the middle. So they spin, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you imagine they would knock you into a trap uh, or a prison cell on the other side of them. Okay. The clever part is the trip is not the floor, it's the wall. So creatures that can't see would use the wall as a guide, and that is what would trip it. And they get sucked in. Okay, so she says there's probably a cell behind each of these. Should we check them? If you think it's possible, we probably should. So can she rotate these without getting caught in it? They're meant to get you in the dark when you can't see while you're stumbling blindly, so... Right. So it's an easy matter to push it and, yeah. like, halfway open and see. Roll me Thieves' Tools, because you're going to have to actually do some, some jiggering to get them open. Okay. 17. Okay. Yeah, you get the first one open. It tries to spin to grab you, 
but mm-hmm. again, you jam it because you still have a crowbar. Mm-hmm. And inside, the first one is empty. There's nothing in there. Okay. Do I need to roll for each one? Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, natural 20 on the second okay. one. You pop the second one, it spins open, and there is an exsanguinated corpse that used up its blood supply trying to stay alive and is now a inert vampire corpse. Okay, can we get him out of here without levitating him? Yeah, he's level. Or just kill him right there. I mean, it's a, it's a side room. You can just chop him right there. All right. You just kill him right there. Okay. Yep, does it. You chop him. Right. And there's two more doors on the other side. Oh, 12. Uh, you can't get that one open. Okay. You know there's a release somewhere in the complex, but you cannot get this open. Okay. And a one. <laughs> yep, same problem. Shit. The left side is much <laughs> harder to get open than the other side. Okay. She goes, there's a trip somewhere I can't, that's not here. Can we try? Yeah, can anyone else try? You can grab her thieves' tools. I don't believe you are proficient, so for you it is just a dexterity roll. I rolled a natural 20. No shit. You totally missed your calling as a thief. Sleight of hand, <laughs> thieves' tools. Or a bard. She's a great dancer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're just watching Jalen work. Yeah. And it occurs to you like, oh, I think I see what she did wrong. And when she gets out of the way, you can actually just slide the thieves' tool as in, doing exactly what she was doing but throw your elbow into the right place on the panel, and it pops open. There is nothing in that one. Okay. And then there's one more. Yeah, I think that Silva was working on it. So Silva will try. Okay. She's not as proficient as Sable. It is a 15. 15. You pull, push. It finally does click, and again, it just needed a second pair of hands. But it it slides open, and it is also empty. Okay. Okay. Sofa breathes a sigh of relief. Is there anything else in this hall that could be tripped accidentally in the darkness? Like, nope. Or is that it? Okay. Nope. You pass through the part that you know is the darkness, so this hallway goes on for like 40, 50 feet, mm-hmm. and then it turns sharply, and you round the corner, and there is a mural. And this mural runs the length of a long hallway and ends in a stone door that does not appear to be open. But the mural depicts a large king's court. And you recognize mason stonework all throughout this mural. And it's a court throne room. There's a throne with a bestial-looking man sitting on it with a crown on his head. And all around the room, you see different sort of bestial creatures or fairy creatures and men that are all drawn to be obviously heroic. They're all, you imagine, the masons. None of them have fangs, but you, you assume they're just the masons. Except that in the hands of all of the fairy creatures and the beastmen are usually shivs. There's some sort of Cold War standoff that looks full of traitorous fairy creatures. Okay. At the end of the hallway is a big stone door. Jalen's going to check for traps on the door. 16. You find not a trap, but a, a written warning on the door that very clearly states... Those of non-Mason blood may not pass the next room. She she looks at the others. What do we want to do? Well, Sofa will roll Arcana to inspect the door okay. and ask Sable to do something that she's seen Sable do. Is this kind of like a... Do you think it could be a magical ward? You know, like, like in the vault? Mm, I mean, I could detect magic. It's worthwhile to do that. I'll cast Detect Magic. 
detect magic tells you there's a source of magic behind this door. It is not the door itself. Yeah. Jalen will look at Helena and say, um, so there's a lot of intermarriage going on in Fenrir. Is there any chance you or Sable have Mason blood from back in the day? Any marriages? Um, none that I know of, but honestly, frankly, there's like a one in six chance anyone here has Mason blood. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't. I guess Silpha's a possibility. I mean, how far back are we talking? Because the Masons have been in this kingdom for a thousand years. I'd be surprised if you don't have some. I guess I don't know what qualifies. So can I tell what kind of magic it is? Divination. There is magic of divination on the other side of the store. Perhaps it determines whether the person is of... Silpha, could you transform into one of the Masons? I don't think that would work. I mean, it worked on mentors. That thing we did. Lord Minter's wards were not very clever, even if they were mason design. I'm not sure that this kind of thing would be so easily fooled. Too bad we dissolved the uncoagulated blood back there. We could have just gathered it up and taken it in with us. <laughs> Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> I thought of that, but I thought that y'all would think that I was stealing it for Guire. It's an object that has this magic on it, right? It is on the other side of a door. It's in there. Excuse me, I'm going to be a little pedantic, but what is the wording of the magic, the warning? It says may pass to the next room, specifically, not the door. I'll say, so we can open the door. Are you sure? No. <laughs> but it is talking about the room beyond. I'd touch the door. Nothing happens. I think we can open the door. Is it locked? It does not even appear to really have a handle. It seems to be a push thing. Perhaps we don't have to enter the next room if we can see what is inside first. Uh, that's my thought. If we can push the door open without entering the room. We might have to go get choir. That might reduce your risk considerably. Sofa still has the ability to dispel one more type of magic. I mean, this, I imagine, would require a roll, but she could do dispel magic one more time. I look to... Helena and Cass and say, do you think we should chance it? Helena's like, I probably not. And Cass is like, oh yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I like this Cass. Because <laughs> I'm betting I can push that door open without touching it. Give it a shot. I don't know. How heavy is the door? It's a it's a big stone. Well, yeah. My thought was, you know, it's, if it's a stone door, then Thunderwave's not going to do it. So I do have stone shape. That's a good idea. We could peek. <laughs> this is a great use of it. I'll say I do have something. It's powerful, but uh, I think it would... You, you prepared stone shape when we were going into a mason yeah, tunnel? Yeah, imagine that. That's clever. <laughs> Your thinking is in line with my thinking. Great great minds think alike, and so do yours. <laughs> Tear open a human-sized hole in the door? Yeah, touch a stone object, medium-sized or smaller. More than five feet and form it into any shape that suits your purpose. So right now I'm just going to, yeah, shape it away to make a, sp a passage. Okay. Inside the next room, there are a couple things of note. The floor is a checker pattern of stone. Basically, it's a square room. And inside, there are a bunch of little tiny square tiles that make up the floor of the room. Instead of grout or cement between the tiles, 
there's a little like half inch around every one of them that sort of spans the whole room and it's full of some sort of thick red liquid that seems to move a little bit and in the middle of the room there's a small pedestal with an orb on the top of it and on the opposite end of the room there is a big stone slab door that does not look like it pushes or pulls And that concludes our episode for today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson from My Pet Machine for our tunes and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. iTunes will be a good place. Tune in next time to find out how our heroes will solve or not this puzzle. If they don't, I got a great new monster I made to terrorize them with. Catch you later on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Tomato, tomatoes, holy water. Tomato water. Tomato water. <laughs> Vampire, vampires hate tomatoes. <laughs> you have no idea. This is a tangent, but there is a classic book of companion gardening called Carrots Love Tomatoes. Aww. Aww.